Come on. Welcome to Life Blood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Jotham Stein. Jotham, are you ready to do this? 100%. And thanks for having me on the show, George G. Excited to have you on. Jotham is the principal of the law offices of Jotham Stein. He's got over 20, 25 years representing entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, and venture capitalists. And he is the author of Negotiate Like a CEO. Jotham, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I live here in Half Moon Bay, California, which is just over the hill, we say, from Silicon Valley. And, uh, and in fact, I wrote the book, a part of or all the book or almost all the book, Negotiate Like a CEO in the uh, Pete's Coffee House over here in, in Half Moon Bay. Nice. And uh, why did I write the book? I wrote the book because uh, I wanted to help people understand the employment world, how to protect themselves, what happens, all the good things and the, and the bad things. I've been doing this for more than 25 years. And I, I, one of the things I realized is not many people go into an employment relationship or have an employment relationship. They get fired from an, you know, their employer and they didn't know all the dynamics that, that were there. They didn't understand the documents. They didn't understand how to read the tea leaves. And so since I've been doing it for so long and I've seen not everything uh, for sure, because I learned something new every day, <laughs> but uh, I've seen so much. I thought, okay, I'm going to like to really help people. And so, and have fun writing the book. And so I, I, I did both of those things. The book itself uh, will help any of your listeners uh, to, if they're at all interested in, in a career trajectory or all interested in protecting themselves or at all interested in learning about the employment world. And, and I had fun writing it. Um, both the, 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 fiction, the nonfiction part and then I also wrote 59 stories, uh, which are completely fictional, but they're sort of repeat events that happen that I had a good time doing and uh, as well writing them. Nice even number there, Jotham, 59. That's because I wrote the book and then counted them up afterwards. Okay. So, there, there's actually a 60th story in the 60 and 61 in the acknowledgement section. So I, I, I could have just said 60 or 61, but there's 59 in the text part. The acknowledgements, I hope, are interesting too. Uh, there's two there. Those are, are not fictional, uh, but everything else, the other ones are fictional and but they're, they're they're based on my experience of 25 years. You know, repeat sort of stories. If you were in the the um, uh, you know the book publishing world, we call them genres. I just call them genres of events that repeat themselves. Yeah, I I, I can I can only imagine. You talked about how you learn every day, and I'm sure that there are those 59 or so different things that seem to happen over and over again for people in different positions at different companies all over the world, probably because we're human beings and human nature and, and all that good stuff. So I'm, I'm always fascinated. I appreciate sitting at a coffee shop and doing writing because I find myself doing the same thing. Did you have a routine that, that you went through to actually write the book? Uh well, I think I, uh, yeah, the routine was go sit in the pizza coffee house because that's where you know how to, that's where I can write. I, I couldn't, I like to write separately from where I, where I work. And uh, the work is either in, I have an office in Palo Alto or I work in my office in my house, but I like needed to get away from that. And uh, so as long as I got to the pizza, I knew I was going to be productive. The issue was 
getting to the peats, right? You know, being able to uh, spend some time there and not in the regular work I have or other things that are going on in my life. And um, so I would sit down and in my younger, younger days, I hated noise around. I couldn't concentrate with noise around. Now it's a beautiful thing. It just, it's like a, uh, like a, a cloud of, 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 of productivity that helps me. And I, cause it's just a din in the background. And, uh, and so I, I open up my computer and, uh, and, and start writing. And, um, and that, that was basically my process. Nice. All right. So you talked about how this book is for anybody that, that, I forget how you put it, but wants to have a career. So for people who are listening, would you say, hey, this really applies to you if you intend to be working in an employer-employee relationship, or is it too early for some people to be thinking about it? Is it too late? Well, it's never too early. Uh, so someone, this is, book is written for everyone. It's, it's title is Negotiate Like a CEO, because the idea is that CEOs protect themselves in employment. Uh, the overwhelming number enter into a very strong employment agreement, or uh, which is nothing more than a severance agreement negotiated on day one, or uh, a strong offer letter. So, uh, and you can only negotiate if, uh, for such things uh, if you have leverage. But a lot of people have a lot more leverage than they think, particularly in this world where the employees are out there looking to hire uh, good employees. And sometimes a one-line sentence in an offer letter, in a one-page offer letter, could make all the difference in the protecting an individual um, if things go wrong. Um, but even if you have no leverage, if you're trying to someday be like a CEO or never don't even want to be like a CEO, but you want to uh, improve the trajectory of your career, uh, my book um, lays out many of the things you should look out for, many of the things you should think about, the tea leaves and so forth. So even though you might not have leverage at the beginning of your career. And I want to stress that some people have a lot more leverage than they think, but even if you didn't, um, you, you go into a situation or uh, your job fully informed. Uh, and that can make all the difference because part of the information I talk about in the book is, you know, people for, trying to force you out. And that happens at all levels from the first year, first person who's been uh, hired all the way up to the CEO. And if you see that key lead, if you see those indicators, you're probably better off um, getting a job somewhere else or, or at least getting a job offer from somewhere else. So you protected your downside. So that's why this book can help um, literally the first the first year who's just gotten out of college and getting a job all the way up to the, the CEO. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you talk about how CEOs protect themselves and that's either through conditioning, it's knowing how, how valuable and it's a, it's a self-worth and a recognition of their worth in the marketplace. Why wouldn't I, as just a mid-level person or just getting started in my career path, look at myself in that same way and act as if and start as I mean to go? Uh, because you're joining an organization or a company and you hope that what you're bringing is valuable to them. And listen, some people don't have leverage. And, 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 and earlier on in your career, you don't have as much leverage to be able to, 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 to um, um, command protection, if you will, to be able to negotiate for protection. But nonetheless, you are a person, you have skills, you're bringing that to a company as a mid-level manager or as an early manager or as a senior manager, but not yet at the C-suite level. The company values that. Now, some companies honestly value it a lot more than others, but once they hire you and once you're good at your, and they, they believe you're going to be good at your position, they want to keep you there because the 
unless they're trying to force you out. But for the most part, <laughs> trying to build their company, they want to keep you there because uh, A, you're doing a good job for them. Um, you're going to do good, doing a good job for the shareholders down the road. And also the cost of of hiring somebody, uh, replacing somebody can be really quite high at many companies. And so um, that's the reason uh, that you should think positively about yourself and everything you bring to a company, even if you're at a, a, a mid-level position. Yeah, I appreciate that. So you've mentioned these tea leaves and keeping your out for an indicator that they're trying to get rid of you or they're trying to force you out. What what are some of those? Uh, well, um, being isolated, uh, people uh, suddenly changing a view. You've always had good reviews and suddenly you're getting bad reviews or mediocre reviews. A change in, in your boss or a boss's boss and you, you, you start getting a negative feedback. Um, there's many different things that can cause this isolation, passive aggressiveness in a boss. Um, uh, and so those are sort of the indicators. That's really important to, to, to understand and to take a step back and think about. The other part is your own personality. Many people see they have the information that the writing is on the wall for their career, but they don't, they don't hear it in a sense. They don't process it. And the best example I can give of something that's in the book that has no relation to CEOs at all, but is good for everyone else is what's called a performance improvement plan. I have a discussion of that and I have one of the fictional stories is about that. And, uh, and, and what happens with performance improvement plans is they're, they're often, not always, but they're often the kiss of employment death. The company is not giving you a performance improvement plan to improve your performance. They're doing it to protect themselves if you ever go and get fired and complain and bring a lawsuit. And they're, and so, but many people get those performance improvement plans and they actually, whereas a professional like myself or somebody who's seen a hundred of them or so, or stories of a hundred or represented people would say, you have no chance to beat this performance improvement plan. You have no chance to be there for any length of time. Maybe they'll accept your performance improvement plan and you'll perform, but, but six months later, they're going to force you out again if you read the tea leaves. But my personality is so many people are so successful and their career is so much and their job is so much part of them that they believe they can succeed. And um, that's a perfect example uh, of a situation where the tea leaves can be there, the writing can be on the wall, but then the, you know, what's in our brain here doesn't want to accept that and believes that, hey, we've always done it well before, we can, we can make it work. And there's a discussion in the book about that. Now, now why that is doesn't relate to CEOs is because people don't put, board of directors don't put CEOs and CEOs don't put their management team, their senior management team on PIPs, performance improvement plans. They just walk in and say, well, it's time for you to leave or some other version of, you know, please resign or we're firing you. They, they don't do PIP, performance improvement plans. Got it. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Does practicing law in California is I imagine that that adds more complexity and nuance than in other states, or am I wrong? Uh, it adds complexity and nuance for sure, <laughs> but I'm only licensed in five states, so I can't say that it's a more complex or more nuanced than another state. Um, and so that I just don't have that information. Uh, and, um, and so I can tell you though, that in the world of, um, particularly like Silicon Valley entrepreneurial world, um, uh, there's a lot of complexity because there are many different areas of the law that can be implicated or you have to consider when somebody walks in the door and says, I'm an entrepreneur and, and here's my issue or I'm an entrepreneur and I want to protect myself. 
what percentage, roughly speaking, uh, do you think people actually read their read their offer letters and employment contracts? Uh, not so large. I don't know. It would be an anecdotal, but I can tell you I've had a. <laughs> there's an offer letter. Everybody's going to read that. It's one or two pages. The problem is they may not understand it, and mm-hmm. they may not understand what the company's protecting themselves against. Remember, the company is giving you an offer letter that says at will employment. Uh, because the company is protecting itself. So then you get up to the employment agreement, um, which is 34, five pages, uh, whatever, eight pages, 15 pages. And, and I would say most people do their best at reading it. Um, but again, not understanding the, the, the terms, not understanding the words, not understanding why these clauses are in there. But when you get to very important things like stock option agreements, which is equity, you, you get stock options, there are restricted stock unit agreements. Uh, profits interest agreements, uh, I would say that very small number of people actually read and understand them and certainly don't read and understand the, the documents that are that are incorporated in those, which is really critical because one sentence changed can really have the difference between screwing you down the road if things don't go right and, and helping you down the road, protecting you down the road. How much influence can I have on that though? The employee says, okay, great. You got the job here. Here's your, here's your employment agreement. Here's your stock option plan and all that. How much influence can I have on that? Well, you won't have any influence on the plan itself, uh, but the actual document that's given to you, whether it's in an employment agreement an offer letter or the stock option agreement, the issue is whether you've negotiated protection. And that's one of the themes of the book is try to protect yourself as much as possible. And it depends on leverage. How much does the other side want you and how much are you willing to push? And that's really context dependent. It, it, it depends on what you're doing. It depends on how much the company wants you. It, expe- it depends on how much the po- what the potential employer's sort of organizational structure is and experience is. It depends on what parts of the country you're in and what and what perhaps what what uh, areas or fields. So let's say, for example, I'll use an example of coders. People do coding very in, in very um, um, high demand, and they can demand. Uh, in, in one sentence protection in their employment in their offer letter just coming out of just coming out of undergraduate more than a lot of other people can can demand at a mid-level because they're in such high demand. So and imagine a situation where a company once is short of coders or engineers and it's a hot market, which it is now. And 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 somebody asks uh, for one line sentence, if you terminate my employment for any reason uh, but cause, and then you narrowly define cause, um, you will accelerate the vesting of my stock options by one year or two years, right? That's one sentence, period. That's not an employment agreement. That's one sentence in, a, in an offer letter. That's possible uh, sometimes, depending on what your leverage is. Similarly, if you terminate my employment for any reason, you will pay me three months of separation pay or severance pay uh, is also something that in one sentence, period. Um, sometimes the uh, even a young employee or a mid-level employee can um, can can um, can get, and they certainly often could get it either or leverage increases if they have a job and they're now lateraling, moving to another job. And, and but you know there are certain companies that never give protection to anybody. That's their company policy, except for maybe the CEO and the CFO. They always get it. But um, but in other situations, that's why I say it's context dependent. Um, even a, a young employee, mid-level employee can sometimes get that protection. I like it. Well, it certainly strikes me that uh, 
that we are living in a time right now where if you are good at what you do, you are in high demand, particularly in your neck of the woods, but I'm sure it is that way all over the country um, in every city and state. So why not ask for the things that you want? Why not negotiate like a CEO? Why not get a copy of the book, Jotham? Let's just, let's just take ownership of our careers for God's sakes. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, if, it, it, and if you read the book and, and, the, and the 59 fictional stories to underscore it, you're likely to say, uh, you know, hey, that happened to me or that happened to a friend I knew about. So, or I know about. Um, but if you want, you can get a copy of the book at, uh, at Amazon. You can Google negotiate like a CEO and it will come up and uh, probably through Amazon. Uh, if you wanted to learn more about the book before buying it, you're welcome to go to uh, uh, negotiate like a CEO.net. That's uh, negotiate like a CEO.net. Um, and uh, you'll be more information about the book, more information about me. Um, two of the fictional stories, I believe, are on the website there uh, to entice you to uh, your listeners to potentially read it and, uh, and um, you know, other, other, other information about the book and, and myself. I love it. Well, I don't want to forget, Jotham, people are ready for that difference making tip. What do you have for them? If you have any leverage at all, make sure you go into an employment relationship, your next job with your eyes wide open and make sure you do everything possible to protect yourself in employment, uh, whether that protection is protecting your equity, stock, stock options, whatnot, or whether it's separation pay or whether it's uh, getting paid uh, 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 medical premiums, COBRA premiums on exit protect yourself or something else that's important to you, protect yourself as employment. So that when you go into your job, you can be free to do the best job possible and don't have to worry as much about, uh, about what would happen if something goes wrong. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, Jotham, thank you so much for coming on again. If you enjoyed this much as I did, show Jotham your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to negotiate like a ceo.net and check out two of those 59 stories and pick up a copy of negotiate like a ceo wherever you buy your books and certainly i think that we all know that we're supposed to really value ourselves and everything that you've been talking about resonates with me so much because we are valuable and no matter what stage of our careers we're in we need to treat ourselves as such so i appreciate your work thank you again Thanks for having me on your show. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.